What a great encouragement. And what a great message. Thank you, choir. And, uh, and now I've missed our choir. And uh, uh, it's a pleasure to be back. And uh, I am looking forward to hitting the ground running. And uh, Al couldn't have had a better, a better song now this morning, Finish Well, because it reminds us that, you know, we never know when, when the end is going to come. Uh, I want to say just a few words about our sabbatical. Three things in particular I want to say, and they are thank you, thank you, and thank you. Uh, it was a great, great experience. I want to say thank you to you as members for providing this great gift to me as your pastor and to our pastoral staff. I want to say thank you to all of our leaders who covered bases and made sure everything got done in my absence. Uh, I am especially thankful to the speakers that came in uh, each of the last six Sundays and, uh, and have done so well, and I've gotten lots of good feedback uh, in that time. I've gone back and listened to all the messages. And I just want to say something. Al Huffman can preach. Amen. Amen. And our arrangement was, you know, he said, well, I'll preach one Sunday if you uh -oh. <laughs> will stay away from the choir. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for our staff. Uh, it's a little, a little nerve wracking to think about leaving something you're responsible for for six weeks. And uh, uh, I had confidence in our staff in leaving. And uh, though shaken several times, it, it actually have, have great confidence in our staff. And, uh, and that. So I'll, I'll stand up just a quick second, if you would. Uh, stand up, just look at everybody real quick. You know, this uh, sabbatical was, was something that the church put in place, I guess, over 20 years ago uh, for this, somewhere around that uh, time frame. And uh, uh, not just for the pastor, but for our ministry staff as well. And so uh, next Sunday, Al will be with us during our combined service. Remember, we're meeting in the gym next Sunday at 10 a.m., our regular combined service. Uh, I cannot tell you how excited I am about any opportunity we have to be together, uh, though we meet in different worship services and different worship styles, we come together because we are one church, amen? We come together as one church periodically, and we have different elements of the services in there, and we look for great times, great opportunities to worship the Lord. Next Sunday, we're doing that, and uh, Al's got a prominent part in that service, but I want to let you know, this is the last 930 service that Al will be in, uh, uh, because after next Sunday, I will be taking a sabbatical marking his 30 years. Yeah, Gene, stand right there with Al, if you would. Uh, 30 years of ministry at Ridgecrest Baptist Church. Now, I don't know what that's like. I was four years old when Al came to Ridgecrest. <laughs> but uh, but do, do be mindful to, uh, to express your appreciation uh, to Al, not just because he's got a sabbatical coming up. He'll be gone for the month of September, and then we'll be joining us back again. And, uh, uh, but, but let him know all the time. And the greatest way you can support any of your staff members, individually or as a whole, is by your participation. And, and your participation is not to support us, but to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why are we here, Al and I and Rodney and the other staff members, why are we here we're here to lead you so that together we can participate in lifting up the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's been a great time of rest and renewal and refreshment. Several of you have said, well, I sure would like to be away for six weeks. And yes, you do need to be away for six weeks because it was an awesome, awesome experience. The last time I had six weeks off was my senior year of high school. And I've had a job 
I have been steady at it ever since, except for vacation breaks like everybody else. But this was a great time of, of refreshing and relaxing. And uh, the goal going into it, the first goal was get away and clear my mind. But as the, as the sabbatical approached, uh, Pam and I talked and we prayed together and we established some goals. Yes, we wanted to get away, wanted to have some time, wanted to relax and refresh. And we certainly did that with family and fun times. But I wanted it to be a time of learning and a time of growing. So real quickly, I want to share with you some of the things that, that we did. We, we spent some time traveling. We traveled to the beach on two different occasions, had a wonderful week together, just Pam and I, uh, which was nice. Then we had a week with uh, Pam and I, four kids, three grandkids, a couple of in-laws, and uh, I don't know who else was in and out. Boyfriend or two was in and out, but, but, uh, but it, it was a great week there. Uh, we spent about five days in New York City, and I'm so glad to be back out of New York City. <laughs> It was fun while it lasted, and we spent a good amount of time here locally just trying to relax, refresh, regroup, and uh, uh, a long list of chores. I didn't get to all of them, honey, but uh, I've got, I'll, I'll keep working with these hands and, uh, and get to, to the rest of them if I can. One of the, one of the things that I did, I want to make a point to do, is to read some books. Now, I'm always reading in preparation for sermons and messages and studying, and, and I'll continue, but I've got this shelf in my office, at, at, at back here in, in the church office area, and you may have a shelf like this as well, books that you want to get to when you can. And uh, that, that unfortunately, the, the list has been growing wider and wider. So I took a big box of books with me. I didn't get to all of them, but I was able to read some Christian biographies of how Jesus impacted the lives of people in extraordinary ways to make an impact in their lives and their community. It was great reading. The most impactful book I read, a couple of books, one is called Living a Prayerful Life by Andrew Murray, who was a pastor of the 1800s. And I've, I've read some of his uh, information before, but, but to read it in regards to, to not being preparing for a lesson or preparing for a sermon or a message really has just kind of washed over me. And I will tell you that this six weeks has been a revival and a renewal of my prayer life. And... I'm a man of prayer. I will tell you this, I pray. But I'm going to tell you that, that there's been such a renewal in my prayer life that it's been amazing, and I'm so thankful for that. I also read a very significant book called Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire. And it's written by Pastor Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And uh, we had the privilege of going there while we were on sabbatical. I'll tell you more about that in just a second. But uh, just to read his story and the story of how God moved and worked in his life. Was, was, was great. Spent some good time with the Lord on sabbatical. And it wasn't something I have not been doing before that. I want to let you know that. But just a time of, 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 of having time and making time. I've been, I've been so impressed with how busy I have been in my life and how busy we are in our marriage and how busy our families are, how busy our church members are. I'm always mindful of that, but when you're in the middle of it, but to pull away from it and to look and observe and to get away was so amazing to recognize how busy we stay and how important it is to spend time with the Lord. To spend time in worship, personal worship, and time in prayer, and time in reading the Word. It's been, been a, an amazing experience. Um, Pam and I attended seven different churches during these six weeks. I want to share with you which ones we, we went to. The first Sunday, we were in the Moorhead City area, and we attended One Harbor. I took pictures just to, so you wouldn't think I was lying to you. <laughs> One Harbor Church in Moorhead City. We had a wonderful worship experience there. The second Sunday we were there, we went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. 
great story, great church. I, I won't take the time to tell you all about it now, but we went to the 9 o'clock service that morning, and then we went and grabbed a bite to eat across the street, and then we came back for their 1 o'clock service. It was the same service, the first part, but the, the speaker, a special speaker uh, at the 1 o'clock service, Patricia, no, Priscilla Shirer. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you've been in our la well, women's uh, laughter and latte, she spoke at that 1 o'clock service. We didn't tell Pam up front. We wanted to surprise her, and we did. So we did that on Sunday afternoon at 1, and then Sunday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Talk about going to church on a Sunday. We went into New York City and went to uh, the Hillsong Church there off of Times Square and had a, a good worship experience there. We also attended the following week in the Wilmington area, Life Point Church. They meet in an old Home Depot, uh, and, and it was a really neat experience there. We've gone to that church a few times while on vacation. We then attended the following week a new church plant in Raleigh connected with Life Point, and the name of the church is Soul Church, and they're just getting off the ground and trying to reach their community for Christ. We also uh, spent uh, some time with, at my daughter's church in Greensboro, uh, Ray. Uh, she attends Mercy Hill. That's an M and an H there behind us, if you can't tell. Mercy Hill Church in Raleigh is a uh, church about five or six years old and is doing a phenomenal job of reaching their community with the gospel of Christ. And then we attended Richland Creek Community Church in the Wake Forest area, and that church is just booming with growth, a combination of some things that have happened at the seminary, Southeastern Seminary, which is right up the street, as well as some, some population growth in that area. And so we've heard so many good things about that church that we, uh, we wanted to go, and we had a great experience there as well. I say all that to say I come back to you renewed and refreshed. I come back re-energized, and I come back refocused, and I've made up a word, which I'm, I'm prone to do from time. I come back to you re-impassioned for the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I recognize this, thing, this truth, too, in my life. And that is that, that the tendency that I have as a Christian and the tendency that I have as a pastor is to just keep doing what's been happening, to keep going with what's been going on and recognizing from time to time that in stepping back and looking, it's recognizing I'm guilty of getting into a rut. I'm guilty of, of relying on my own competencies and my own abilities and my own experiences and not relying enough on the Lord. And I come to you confessing that this morning and sharing with you that, that as the Lord has spoken in my heart and my life, that I'm, not, I'm praying. <laughs> I'm praying that I'm not going to be the same. Some of you can really amen that. <laughs> I'm praying that I'm not going to be the same. And I'm praying that, that I will see church with fresh eyes and i will see opportunities for the gospel with fresh eyes and i will see the difference that jesus has made in my life and let it rise up to the top and not just bury it down inside and not just go through the motions but really stay in touch with my lord and savior jesus christ i come back to you in that regard the major lesson i've learned is the lesson and the message i'm going to share with you this morning and that is simply these two words live wisely Live wisely. In Ephesians chapter 5, I'll invite you to stand with me this morning. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And he's challenging them and instructing them and teaching them and encouraging them and praying for them that they as a church, and remember a church is made up of individual people, but it, the, the intent of the, of the passage I'm going to share with you this morning is that the people of God individually and collectively would live wisely. What does it mean 
to live wisely. I want to talk to you about that for a few moments this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start at verse number 15. I just want to read for you two verses, verses 15 and 16, and they are this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Look carefully how you walk. I have joyfully and worshipfully and tearfully and with great examination been looking at, at who I am and where I'm at and what's happening. And I am thrilled at what God has been showing me. But I've also been penetrated to the heart of some things that need to be reoriented and refocused on Him. Would you pray with me? Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the glory that is due your name. We thank you for the instruction and the encouragement that we might live wisely. And, oh God, help us not to live wisely in the eyes of people. Help us not to live wisely in our own eyes, but to continually seek to live wisely before you and following after you and according to your word and being led by your spirit. We pray, our Heavenly Father, that on a regular basis we might be able to say, things can't stay like they are. Jesus is calling me further, and he's calling me deeper, and he's calling me closer, and my life can't be the same. We pray today, we ask, Lord, that you would reach us right where we are and you would help each one of us to have a determination in our heart that from, from whatever starting place we're in today, whatever our circumstances are today, that our heart's desire would be to live wisely, examine ourselves, to be wise, and to recognize that the days we live in are indeed evil days. All we have to do is look around, make us mindful. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So let's take a few minutes this morning in the time that we have. And I want to talk to you about some lessons we can learn in this passage of Scripture about living wisely. And I'm going to conclude the message. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the invitation now so that you can be thinking and contemplating. I'm going to, to invite, just as I invited the choir to join me at the beginning of the service so that we could pray for God to move in our service today, I'm going to invite any of you that would like, at the end of the service, our closing is going to be out. As we sing that last song, the invitation is going to be for anybody that has a desire to join me and simply say, Lord, examine my heart. Help me to live wisely. I want to follow after you. The invitation is going to be just to come down to the front. That's all it is. If that's you, the invitation is to come forward, stand around the front. It might just be me. And if it's just me, that's fine. And if it's just me and you, that's fine. But whoever will, to come forward, take up whatever room we need, and I'm just going to pray, Lord, help us to live wisely. Help us to examine ourselves. Help us to be mindful of all that it is so that we might determine to be the people you've called us to be and to give honor and glory to your name. I thought about this earlier. When, when I finish unloading the sabbatical lessons I've learned, you're going to tell me never to go on a sabbatical again <laughs> the rest of my ministry here with you. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. The first lesson I want to point out 
that we see here. The lesson is this. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Listen to what is written to the Christians there in in, uh, Ephesus. Look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk. It's always good, periodically, to stop and look in the mirror and take stock of where things are in your life. I can remember a few weeks ago when, when Pam and I were in New York City trying to get from one place to the next. We had to examine the map. We had to look carefully where we were walking. We didn't want to hit a pothole. We didn't want to get run over. There's some crazy people driving around New York City. We didn't want to get bumped into. We didn't want to miss our turn. We, didn't, we had to look especially careful because we were in an unfamiliar place, but, but, but we had to look carefully then. But it's a reminder from the Scripture as well to periodically just stop and take stock of where things are. Let me give you some ways you can do that. Think about your health, your physical health. How are things going with your diet? I don't mean the diet as in losing weight, but how's your, how's your food intake going? How are your, how's your health holding up? Are you drinking enough water? I read recently, Pam, I forget the, 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 the calculation of how much water you're supposed to drink based on your weight, and, and I think I'm up to like two five-gallon buckets a day. <laughs> But it's helpful, you know, to do, take stock of, of, of your eating, take stock of your, of your exercise. Are you getting enough physical exercise? Are you getting enough rest at night? Are you getting enough rest at night? One of the biggest things that, that hinders us in our walk with God is our busyness and our lack of rest so that we're not able to put mind and heart and focus and body into our worship of the Lord. Examine yourself. Step back and take stock of, of how things are going. Pay close attention, for example, to your finances. How are your finances going? Are you, are you, are you your earning and your saving and your spending and your stewardship of giving, how, how are those things working out? And are they working out in God-honoring ways? We're, we're learning more and more. We see more and more people are struggling financially just to make ends meet. The economy is going very well right now, and that's a good thing. But for many people, you, know, you, get to the end of the, uh, you get to the end of the money, and there's still some month left over. And people are struggling sometimes in that area. How are your finances? How are they going? Are you using them for the glory of God in, in the way that you, that you earn, in the way that you save, the way that you spend, in the way that you give? How about your media consumption? Well, how much TV are you watching? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a self-professed uh, uh, news addict. I will turn the TV on and have the news going on. I listen to news on the radio, and 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 I have known from time to time. I just I, I need to stop listening when I can give the news report by the middle of the day. I, I've I've heard enough, right? But I, I would just by habit keep it on. And over the last six weeks, I've watched less TV than I ever have in my life. I've had to take stock of that and examine and make some adjustments. How about your your internet consumption? Where do you go on the internet? What are you looking at? What do you see? How are you interacting with social media, Facebook or whatever else it might be out there? And, 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 and what about we, the posts that you're looking at, the posts that you're making? Are they, are they God-glorifying? It's good to sit back and take stock and examine ourselves. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this very personal question. What about your spiritual life? Are you spending time with the Lord? Are you spending time digging into his word? Are you, are you spending time just really 
seeking, and if you're like so many, pastors included, if we're not careful, we find ourselves going through a spiritual routine of getting up in the morning, saying an obligatory prayer, reading a verse of the day, maybe reading a little devotion that goes with it, and then we whisper our last prayer and we're out the door, or we do the same thing at the end in the evening, just before we go to bed. And we're not taking the time to invest with the Lord and taking the time to listen to the Lord. If I've done anything better over the last six weeks, I've tried to listen to the Lord. He has so much he wants to say to us. And so often we miss it because we're so busy. What about your family life, your marriage, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your kids? What, what, how, how, how's that working out? Are, are things where they need to be? Are you ready so that if at any point life is over, are, are things at a place where, where, where you're okay and, and, and they are, that things are, are where they need to be with your family, with your life, with your testimony, with your Lord? Today we mourn with the sister church, Pleasant Grove Baptist Church in Creedmoor. Just over a week ago, their beloved pastor, Mark Tilly, was killed in a car accident. This past week, I, as I got back in the office on Monday, I called the associate pastor at the church who, who I know, uh, David Herman, and we chatted and we talked, and, and I told him, man, we're praying for you. And I said, man, tell me, tell me what we can do as a church. How can we support you? And I want to say thank you to you, Ridgecrest Baptist Church. We've done two things this week to help our, our sister church. One is, he said, do you have anybody at your church that is capable of teaching or leading a grief group? I said, yes. Let me see if we can work it out. And Ron Williams, Ron, are you in here somewhere? Or is he teaching right now? Ron's not in here. But, but, but Ron Williams is willing to do that. And then he said this. He said, Wednesday we're having the funeral. Have you got anybody in your church that can come stand in the parking lot? And so I talked to Shay, and Shay put an email out. We had more than enough respond. And so when I went to the, to, to, to the funeral on, on Wednesday to, to see our folks out in the parking lot giving of their time, serving Jesus, glorifying him with a yellow vest and waving in here and getting people in so they could go, and to see the line of people there to a man who's 57 years old today at their church was to be Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and he's gone. And I say that to say this. We pray for our sister church. We, we know that he's in a better place. We, we were surprised at when it happened. But the same could be true for any one of us, could it not? And so there's a time, there's a need, there's an urgency that we might continually and consistently be examining ourselves before, Lord, before the Lord. And, and, and so let me ask this question as you examine yourself as well. What does your walk say about who you are? What does your walk, your personal Christian world, what does it say about who you are? Here's something that we all need to understand, is that we can say whatever we want to say, but when people see the way that we walk, our lifestyle, the way that we live our lives, when people see that, they see who we really are. So how do, what does your walk say about who you are? And does, does, does your testimony about who you are really reflect who you want to be? Are there any need for for changes? Are there any need for adjustments? And, and, and I would ask this question, if so, what are they? And when will you get on it? There's been an urgency impressed upon my heart from the Lord, I believe, over these six weeks, an urgency of, of being who he's called me to be and doing the things that, that I know I need to be doing and doing them now. It's so easy to put things off. It's so easy to, to push things back, but to do the urgent things now. Secondly, uh, the second lesson I want to point out to you is also there in verse 15, and that is determined to live wisely. 
after examination of self, should come, can come, hopefully will come, the determination to live wisely. It says there, look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. There are two choices given here. There's there's two avenues that, that we can take based on what this passage of Scripture says. We can be unwise or we can be wise. There's a comparison. There's a choice. There's a choice that each of us has to make every single day. And, 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 the, and the encouragement is, first of all, don't live unwisely. Do not live in an unwise fashion, in an unwise manner. Just before uh, we, we get to the passage I read for you this morning uh, that starts in verse 15, if you were to go back and look at Ephesians 5, starting in verse 8, it says, At one time you were darkness, That's unwise. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. So instead of walking in darkness, walk in the light. Instead of walking in self-centered ways, walk in ways that we know are pleasing to God. Determine to live in that wise fashion. What does it mean to live an unwise life? It means to live a life where the most important thing in your life is not God. That's a definition, a very simple definition of unwise. If anything in your life, the top priority of your life is not serving and following and living for your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that is an unwise life. In Proverbs 1.7, it says this, Fools despise wisdom. A foolish person will despise wisdom. What is wisdom? It is putting God first in life. And so a foolish person says, I'm not going to put God first in life. I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to live for my pleasure, my purpose, my pursuit. I'm not going to live ultimately for God's purpose, God's pleasure, God's glory, and God's pursuit. Oh, I might go and do the religion thing every once in a while. I might stand up and sing the hymn and go to church, but I'm not going to put Jesus as the priority of my life. So there's that choice that we all have to have is to live unwisely or to live wisely. To live wisely is simply to put God first in life, to focus on our Heavenly Father over all else. To spend time exercising our faith, diving in to His Word and to prayer, and then going about life looking for God moments. Pam and I had a God moment. On Friday, we weren't expecting to have a God moment on Friday. Part of my sabbatical uh, has been to work along with my wife on chores. And so we were cleaning out, and we had 40 pounds of papers that needed to be shredded. And so we, we went down to Staples. And so at Staples down here at North Duke Mall, I'm standing there at the locked trash can feeding shred to shred papers in there. And Pam's talking to the lady that works there, and and the topic of church comes up, and all of a sudden there was a God moment of just sharing with a lady who's moved into our community uh, about, and and she says, I'm looking for a church. Well, goodness gracious, we're not having to go, we didn't go knocking on doors, Pam, we just, we just were there. And and, and so, so there was a God moment, so, so, so we need to, to be wisely looking for those God moments. James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Determined to live wisely. The third lesson is to be timely. 
to be timely. It says in verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. It's to determine to make every day count, the best use of time. In any given moment, you and I have four or five or six choices of what we could do with our time. For example, this morning, you're here. I hope that's a wise choice for you. I was hoping somebody would say amen to that. <laughs> but you could have stayed home and stayed in bed. And right now, somebody elbowed their wife and said, See, I told you we could have done that. You could have gone to brunch somewhere. You could have gone to the movies. You could have gone up to the lake. You could have gone a hundred different places, but you chose to be here. And I, I hope and pray that that is making the best use of your time. Time is something that's very limited. Each of us only has 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's all we have. Time is valuable. It is so valuable. And it is relentless. It continues. No matter what else is happening, time marches forward. And with time, something that's been re revealed to me and, and I've been reminded of uh, over the last little bit of time is that in the past, I can change nothing. Aren't there all kind of things about your past you'd like to change? There's all kind of things I wish I could go back and change about my past. But it is locked in, cement, hardened, unchanging. But the good news is that regardless of my past, I can make decisions in my present that will open up the future. And the future is wide open for every last one of us. Let me give you a couple of ways to make the best use of your time. The first way I want to just point out briefly is to be proactive. Be proactive about your time. Don't just sit back and let things happen, but ahead of time, determine what tomorrow holds. Determine what's happening the next week, the next month. And, and when, you're, when, you're, when your schedule gets crowded, you have to make choices back and forth of what's going on. Determine to make the wisest choice and learn to say, is I have to, I'm so bad at this. I say yes to everything. And I have to learn to say no. I have to learn continually to say no even to good things because of the best thing. And the best thing is always to determine what would God have me do in this situation and in this moment. Be proactive and don't be reactive. To be reactive is simply to find yourself spending far too much time on things that matter little and spending far too little time on things that matter most. When we become reactive and just let the days come at us, we find ourselves exhausted and we don't get to the most important things. Be timely and make the best use of your time. And then I also encourage you to be timely by being intentional about your schedule. To list out what you have to do, prioritize what you have to do, and then do it. Why? Why should we be so intentional and be so proactive about making the best use of our time? It says here, as Paul writes to the church here, and he writes the same to us, because the days we're in are evil. Evil days. Sinful days. Dark days. Yesterday morning, I had studied for the message, and I'd come down from, from the study area at the house, and Pam was sitting there at the kitchen table. And Pam doesn't know what I preach week in and week out. And she didn't know, she doesn't know what this message is going to be. But when I walked down the steps, she said to me, she said, come here, I want to read something to you that I've just read in this book. 
Pam's been reading a book called Fervent, and it's by Priscilla Shirer, who you know. And chapter 8 of that book deals with pressures that pull us away from God. And as she read me that list of, of things from the book, two things were impressed upon my heart immediately before she ever finished. And she didn't know this at the time. The first impression was, I need to share this tomorrow morning. And the second impression was, Pam needs to share it and not me. So I informed her last night that she would be sharing this this morning, and we whittled it down just a little bit, but, but she, she wants to share. I'm going to have her share with you pressures that pull us away from God that Priscilla Shiver indicated. I want you to listen closely because it's so applicable to each one of us. If I were your enemy, I'd make everything seem urgent, as if it's all yours to handle. I'd bog down your calendar with so many expectations you couldn't tell the difference between what's important and what's not. Going and doing, guilty for ever saying no, trying to control it all but just being controlled by it all instead. If I could keep you busy enough, you'd be too overwhelmed to even realize how much work you're actually saving me. Not everything that is good thing is a God thing, plain and simple, because even good things can culminate in slavery. God's purpose in giving you Sabbath spaces amid your full productive life is to help you be uninhibited in your devotion, service, and worship of Yahweh. Margin keeps you from marginalizing God. When our lives are packed to the brim with things that squeeze God to the periphery, it's a sure sign we've replaced our devotion to God with a love of something else, such as the pressure to maintain a ridiculously jam-packed schedule, the idol of self-reliance. The enemy wants other things and other people to replace God's preeminence in our schedule, in our mind, in our heart, in our home. He wants our loyalties lured away from our creator and dispersed among a dozen others without our even thinking about it. It's an attack against your full devotion to God as your one and only Lord. It's a cosmic battle for your contentment, your peace, your rest, your sense of balance, health, and wholeness, your ability to worship attentively, to trust fully, to be free and satisfied in Christ, available to move at the invitation of his perfectly timed will. Try identifying the most common pressures and expectations in your life that cause you fatigue, fragmentation, distress, occasionally even an emotion that borders on despair. First, check your schedule for patterns where you're allowing yourself to be enslaved to things that aren't truly as critical, important, or indispensable as they seem. Two, check your motivations for why you say yes to so many things and why you feel such guilt and loss of importance for saying no. Check to see if the places where you most typically overload your time involve people or goals or interest areas that you've elevated to the stature of idols. Check how much emphasis you place on the current status of your wardrobe, house, car, fitness, job, education, and any external pressure that causes you to feel defensive, pressured to keep up and compare. And last from God's word, a beautiful um, scripture in Psalm 61. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. 
where my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. It was amazing to me as I walked down and, and Pam said, I need to read this to you now and just how the Lord just weaved that right into the, to, to, to the purpose uh, of his word and as he was impressing that upon me. I want to share just one more lesson with you and then we're going to have that opportunity if you want to pray with me here at the front as we conclude our service. The fourth lesson is this, pursue God's will. Pursue God's will. Notice in verse 17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's foolish not to know God's will. And you and I may be in those, those, those situations from time to time. We don't know exactly what God would have us to do. And, 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 and if we're pursuing God's will, we're fine. But, but to not care and to not pursue, that's a foolish thing according to the word. To understand God's will. It is, that word means to grasp for, to reach for, to pursue. Pursue God's will in your heart and in your life. Let me give you two things about God's will. First of all, his general will. The will of God for everyone, all places, all times, throughout all history, God has a will. And it's always the same. That we might know him, that we might be saved, that we might be determined to go to heaven, that we might live a godly life. That is God's purpose for my life and your life. And even for those right now, they're living in darkness away from God. They're living in utter despair and they're living in wickedness and evilness. God's will for them is that they might know him and be saved and that they might be, uh, be bringing him glory with their life. But then God also has a specific will for each one of us as well. After we're saved, after we're growing, after we're made right with him, after we're forgiven of our sins and we're bound for heaven, then God takes each one of us and he gifts us and he gives us experiences and he puts us in circumstances so that we can be molded and shaped and prepared for, to be of service to him in his kingdom and so that we can lift up his name and glorify him in all that we do. And God's specific will for me is going to be different than God's specific will for you or for him or for her or for that one or for that one. But ultimately, God's will that we all might come to know him and glorify him. I want to end now. Al, if you will, just make your way up here to the stage and surely we'll get ready to, to have that song here in just a moment. I want to ask you this morning. As you and I examine our lives before the Lord. And I know that, that I've walked in here and, and basically for some, I've just dropped a sledgehammer in your lap. I know that. I understand that. that there's this, this message coming at you. But, but understand this too. Sometimes God works with the sledgehammer. And so, so I hope today that, that an examination process is already underway in your life as I've tried to prompt you according to the scripture. But as you examine your life this morning, let me ask you off the top of your head, this is just for you and the Lord, are you living your life wisely? Concerning your relationship with the Lord and, and then the way that you've oriented your priorities, the way that you're spending your time, are you living your life wisely? Wisely, Are there areas where adjustments need to be made in your life? I use my time on sabbatical to reorient my life back to what my priorities are. 
I have, my priorities haven't changed, but I've recognized, just as Pam read from that book, and, and, and the, the illustration from that book is as much for me as for anybody else. I recognize that the, the busyness and the, and the pressures and the, this have just pulled me away from what I know my priorities are. So, so I've gone back with great humility and with great conviction and with now great joy to reorient myself to my priorities. So what about you this morning? Are there any adjustments in your life? I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm the type, people are different, and God gifts us and equips us differently. I, I'm pretty much the type that, that what I preach to you on Sunday is what I'm living anyway. And so, so what adjustments are, are called for concerning your walk, concerning your priorities and your morals, concerning your use of time and finances, concerning your, your family relationships, concerning your time with the Lord? Surely, if you will, just go ahead and start playing that hymn that we're going to sing here in just a moment. Jesus paid it all. And now there couldn't be a more appropriate hymn for us to sing. Jesus paid it all. And the next phrase in there is, all to him I owe. I owe him my faith. I owe him my loyalty. I owe him my love. I owe him to glorify him in all of my life. Because he paid a debt he did not owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. And Jesus makes all the difference. I stand before you to tell you I want to live my life wisely. I'm going to pray that I might live my life wisely. And if you'd like to join me in that prayer, I'd invite you to come forward in just a moment is, is ask everybody else to stand just you just make your way up here to the front don't worry about anybody else just is that your prayer and that's your prayer i just simply ask you to come join me if you if you can't make your way up here to the front just raise your hand or or do something let me know you want to be a part of this and 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 just dedicate ourselves there's something about a visual testimony there's something about just just taking a step even if it's a step to walk down an aisle to be a part of a prayer there's something about it i found for me that just solidifies it in my heart and it says to other people, I want to live my life wisely before the Lord. I have stumbled. I will stumble. I'm stumbling right now, but I want to live my life to, in, in a wise way, in self-examination for the Lord and for His glory. That's what I want. It's going to be a very simple and a very short prayer. And if it's your heart this morning, I just simply invite you to join me. We're going to sing, Al, let's just sing maybe one or two verses. When everybody gets down here, we'll just, we'll just kind of fade off and, and I'll lead us in that prayer at that point. But let's stand together. And if you want to join me in that prayer, I just want to invite you. Just come down here to the front. And you, you can stand, you can kneel, you can sit on the front pew. Whatever you want to do, if that's your will and your desire this morning to be, just be a part of that prayer, Lord, I want to live my life wisely for you and for your glory. Al, lead us and sing. Let's just sing a verse or two as they're coming.